Seven feet, five hundred pounds. This morning, he's almost nine feet, pushing a thousand. Are you familiar with CRISPR? Yeah, genetic engineering. Uh, it's more like genetic editing. Changes will be incredibly unpredictable. Increased strength, speed, agility. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast Review of Rampage. Mutating animals are the monsters. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. Oh, you didn't know about the 30-foot wolf? Hosted by Arnie. Damn, he is dangerous. Justin. I can handle this situation. And Stuart. He's not just a friend, he's family. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. I know you're scared. I'm going to help you. Listener discretion is advised. That's right. Let's kick some ass. Today we're discussing Rampage, starring Dwayne Johnson, Nomi Harris, Malin Ackerman, Jake Lacey, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, directed by Brad Payton. This is Arnie, the now playing co-host who, if I like you, I lick you, and if I don't, I eat you, so you always know where you stand. And Stuart? And this is Justin, and I cry a little bit. Yeah, I thought you had the sense of humor that made me cry. (laughs) Yeah, that introduction comes along with a little bit of American Sign Language. (laughs) That foul movement again? (laughs) So Rampage, out of all the movies we've covered based on video games, this one feels like the most what-the-fuck. Well, that's because it's been the most years between game and movie. I can't believe they bothered. After 32 years, finally, were people waiting I loved Rampage. I just want to put it out there. You're hitting one of my favorite games of that era. So there would have been a time when I would have adored the idea of a movie for Rampage, but it wasn't on my radar. After your 20s, I don't think you're thinking about your childhood video games coming back. (laughs) I guess I am because I last year went to New Orleans for my 15th wedding anniversary and we spent a lot of time in a barcade down there and I spent many a quarter on Rampage. So I played that in the arcade as recently as last year, but I was playing the hell out of it at the beginning of the century. When I got a PlayStation and a PlayStation 2, I was playing Rampage World Tour and Rampage Universal Tour, which took the original game where basically you're going through Illinois of all places. Peoria. Yeah, up to Chicago and continue rampaging through the Midwest. Well, World Tour, you go to different countries. Universal Tour, you go to different planets. They added new monsters. It had really cartoony, cel-shaded graphics where the animals made even more funny expressions. That's the thing about Rampage when I think about it is it was always cutesy. It was Godzilla versus King Kong versus 
a wolf for some reason. <laughs> it's the first time I ever remember playing a video game that was kind of subversive. Up to that point, you always played heroic characters. This was a game that let you be the monster. And I don't ever remember being the monster before 1986 in a video game. When did Texas Chainsaw come out for Atari? <laughs> I never played that. It also allowed you to eat people. Yeah. That was revolutionary in the arcade. I mean, up to that point that we were talking about bad influences and violence in games, but since this was cartoony, this one kind of slipped by. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it wanted you to destroy things, whereas I think the mentality in any other game would be stop the monster from destroying your city. And it had so much going on because you had... First of all, it had a little bit of a plot. You'd see newspaper headlines in between where some mega vitamins had mutated humans into these beasts. So I guess the wolf is there because it was like the wolf man. You'd transform into King Kong, Godzilla, or the wolf man. And you were being attacked by the military, which of course goes with any of those giant monster movies. There was also a mad bomber running around who would blow up buildings too. And sometimes he'd help you pass a level. And other times if you were in that building, it would hurt you. And there was the buxom blonde that would stick out of windows, the Fay Ray that you could eat. <laughs> the shower. I remember the guy or lady in the shower that, you know, had to cover up. That was always a cute little thing. You yourself, you would end up nude. If they took you out, you ended up shrinking back to your human form and like covering your privates and like sidestepping off the screen. Yes. <laughs> and the lizard was female, Lizzie, and the other two were male, Ralph and George. The thing I remember is this was the first game that. I realized to be a complete quarter sucker because there's no way you're not going to get injured. There are bullets coming from everywhere. As you destroy buildings, you hit electric things like coffee pots that fry you. You fall off buildings. And yet for another quarter, you can pick right up where you left off. After you walk off the screen nude, you can walk right back on as the beast for 25 more cents. And so in that way, the game felt endless, but expensive. I don't remember a point. There was no achievable end. You just wanted to level the city, right? Yeah, you'd level city after city. Yeah, I don't think there's any real end game, but it's been a long time since I played the game. Were each of the playable characters, did they have individual powers that would make you choose Lizzie over George? No, they were all pretty much the same, but what I do remember as being very fun is, like, I'd play with my friend at the arcade, you could punch each other. So you could be against each other and hurt the other player. And we'd always be like, let's work together and try to stop the army. And then stop punching me, you dick. What you really want. I mean, if the model is King Kong and Godzilla, well, you'll want to see those two fight, right? But I played it alone on my computer. So you're telling me there was a way of kind of making it like Mortal Kombat and going at your friend. Yeah. I mean, you could only punch. You had one move and it was a big fist punch. I did play this on my computer as well. I had an EGA, highly yellow version of it that I would play endlessly because it was free. I've played the arcade. I've played the... PlayStation games. But yeah, the last time a Rampage game came out was 2006. So we're still a dozen years away from Rampage. No game has felt so out of date. And Rampage doesn't feel like a classic. Sure, people know it. But I think it's along the line of if you made Ladybug or Mr. Do the movie, you know, <laughs> those games had their following Pengo the movie, but they certainly <laughs> Burger Time the movie. They certainly weren't Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, the big ones. It may have been B-level, but I do think the ones that come to the screen are the ones that seem based in movie ideas. 
The fact that there is a rich cinematic history of kaiju attacking cities means that this is a property that would be easy to adapt. Burger Time, I just can't imagine how you make that movie. I mean, <laughs> what is the equivalency to stomping on hamburger buns and watching them drop on sausages? I, I can't imagine. Don't tempt them. I love the thought of genetically mutated eggs and sausages coming after you. <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, they're listening. But as to why this happened, you said the last game was 2006. Well, Midway Games went bankrupt shortly thereafter. And I think that's why this movie happened, was that it ended up in the hands of Warner Brothers, who was just franchise hungry. And because they've been making things like Godzilla with legendary pictures, I guess they thought that this might be a good one to add to the mix. Yeah, Stuart, I think you're hitting on something there because ever since I saw Rampage on the schedule, I'm like, what? Why is this a thing? Who's sitting around going, oh yeah, remember that game? Let's make a movie out of it. I mean, some of these other ones that we've looked at that had movies that come out years later, at least they had a life beyond the game first. You know, they were cartoon series or comic books, you know, some other form of mass media that people might have been enjoying. This was a game that had a few sequels and then radio silence. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right. It's the content of the property that allows them to scale up to the big screen and not really worry about where it came from. Yeah, I mean, they could have adapted NARC, I suppose, too, but Warner Brothers has just been making this. They were also behind the first Pacific Rim. It's just it was sort of in their wheelhouse. They probably had the software <laughs> that allows them to make this stuff look really good. And yet, it still took seven years from them acquiring it to wind up on screen. I see that there are four writers attached to this movie. I don't know if there was a history of directors coming in or out, but it seems like it was in development for quite some time before they figured it out or figured out how they wanted to present it in 2018. Yeah, I noticed one of those writers, Carlton Cuse, he was one of the producers of Lost after J.J. stepped away. So he's somebody who I've heard speak for hours upon hours because he did the Lost podcast. He's a writer that I have respect for his thought process. I also used to have respect for Damon Lindelof's thought process, though. As far as this goes, it was going to be produced by some guy named John Rickard. That's not a name I know. Nope. He did Horrible Bosses. Didn't see it. Oh, it's actually not that bad. The sequel is. Yeah. I could see that because Rampage is comedic. Like we mentioned, you are the monster. You get naked and you have to hide your privates. A straight up disaster movie is not what I would expect with Rampage. And in fact, when I saw the trailers for this movie, I literally thought it might just be a movie called Rampage. It may not have any ties to the game until I saw there was indeed a wolf, a lizard, and a gorilla. I was like, what is this? But then... In 2015, they tried again with Dwayne Johnson and Bo Flynn, and it took them a couple of years to get the script right, because, all right, I like the original idea better than what we're going to review right now. I am just going to say that. Rockzilla. The rock was going to turn into a giant monster. Oh, I could tell you it's the exact moment in this film where that was going to happen. It's pretty obvious. He takes a bullet and then it's just like, oh, I'm fine. I'm like, mm, <laughs> no, you got rewritten. <laughs> I would like a movie closer to the game where it's fun and it's humans doing destruction. But I have wondered. It's been 17 years since 9-11. I feel like the world is ready to see skyscrapers topple again in cinema as entertainment. But 
is the world ready? Is the media ready? Are the memories of 9-11, which is perhaps worse than even Pearl Harbor because we have so much video of it played so often on television, is the world ready to see heroes tear down skyscrapers? I wasn't sure. Yes, because it happens every week. This theory that that was some kind of trauma that made us avert our eyes from every disaster film has been proven untrue. I mean, just look at all the Marvel movies. Don't they destroy a city every time? I mean, I can't think of a major Hollywood action film that doesn't bring down a building. I don't think that that ever slowed us down. Maybe for like a year. I don't know. I'm going to agree with Arnie a little bit here because there was something about the way this movie was shot and the debris field and everything that did draw a lot of 9-11 memories. Skyscrapers coming down are going to bring up those memories, but I don't think they're evoking them. I don't think that that was the intention. And I think they're kind of playing to an audience that may not even remember 9-11. It is a family film. Yeah, this is PG-13. The Rock decided, based upon his experience with Doom, which he has openly distanced himself from and went, hey, I've had my video game curse, so maybe this one can be better. And as of this recording, Rampage is Rotten Tomatoes' highest scoring video game adaptation in history. So, wow. It's only sitting at 52%, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Not a high bar. Yeah, like a C, I think is what, maybe an F. I don't know how you quantify that, but. (laughs) You're the best of the remedial class. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But The Rock said he learned from mistakes made in Doom that he was going to take more control. He is one of the producers of this film. He was going to make sure the movie played to its strengths and poked fun and had a knowing wink to the audience with its weaknesses. That's funny you should say that because one of the things that I will talk about during this review is The Rock seemed a little checked out during a lot of these scenes. You know, he he didn't seem too present. Kind of felt like he was rushing through. Just wanted to get past this. I wonder if he's had much experience working with mocap. I mean, usually on screen, he's engaging with other actors. And in this movie, is put together in the way that Andy Serkis would have done a Planet of the Apes. You know, a guy with dots on his head acting like an ape. Well, he didn't work with other actors in Fast and the Furious. It did come out Vin Diesel and The Rock were never on set together. So maybe he had a little experience. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to mocap Vin Diesel in the next one, I think. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, I, I agree. This is not the rampage that I knew from video games or necessarily the one I expected, which may have been why I was a little lukewarm going to the theaters. Normally, when I like the game, I'm more excited for the movie, Tomb Raider being an example of that. But for this one, I just sensed that something was off. You're right. They're selling it as a disaster film for kids and not the idea, wouldn't it be fun to be a giant monster? I still think that movie is yet to be made where we can empathize first with Godzilla and humans second. But that's not this film. And I went in a little bit lukewarm because this is a team up between Brad Payton and The Rock. And I've seen two of those before. I saw Journey to the Mysterious Island. Why? It was on. I was bored. <laughs> I like The Rock. I just, you don't have children. I can't imagine what would bring you to that. I like The Rock. The Rock, I'll watch virtually anything in. Proven. Yes, you just proved that. You saw Journey too. <laughs> Although I did turn off Jumanji halfway through. I just could not get to the end game there. Wow. Okay, we'll bring up Jumanji in a second, because I got a little confused, frankly, <laughs> between the two trailers. But yeah, I did see San Andreas. That I saw too, and that movie was so bland. It's not like it was a bad movie. It certainly wasn't a good movie. I'd give it a week not recommend for sheer nothingness. No ambition. Yeah, it does everything you've ever seen before and never had a thought about doing anything different or novel at all. 
In fact, because San Andreas was about The Rock as a helicopter pilot, and in the trailers, I saw The Rock flying helicopters here, I was literally afraid that they were making Rampage a sequel to San Andreas, and that we'd have to squeeze in a San Andreas review as part of this video game series. <laughs> no, it's just that Peyton's just not imaginative, and he's just like, well, just do that again with the chopper. We'll just do everything again, yeah. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel with this one, I will say that. And I saw this... Big style. IMAX 2D. I wanted to see it on a big screen and take it in since it's billing itself as an epic. That seemed like the best way to appreciate its virtues. I saw this opening night. I didn't know it was going to be IMAX. I guess Ready Player One, they pulled it at the last minute from IMAX because I was looking at tickets two days before. I was looking at Thursday night tickets on Tuesday, and this was not listed as an IMAX film in our town. So I decided to go to the comfy theater with the recliner chairs. I saw this in 3D, and I'll say... It's not bad 3D. It is a post-conversion job. It's not great all the time, but there are some moments that I really did appreciate. Lizzie coming up to eat the helicopter broke out of the screen in a very fun way. So I saw it in 3D and kind of liked it. Nice. I just did my regular 2D digital. But here's the funny thing. I like to think that my family, you know, I have kids that are 10 years apart. So I think we have a pretty good demographic going on here. So all week long, it was, all right, we're going to go see Rampage opening night. Everybody's in. Great. And by the time Friday rolled around, my daughter was just like, yeah, I, I don't want to go. <laughs> so we lost the youngest one. She had no interest in going. And Oh, lost the youngest one. Yeah. That's the one best served by this movie. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, yep, it ended up being myself, the wife, and our son, and a lot of mixed reactions in our half full theater. Yeah, did it look like raging gorillas had run through the place? Because no one was there. <laughs> I mean, it was like the emptiest I've ever seen an IMAX theater. I've been to some empty IMAX theaters already this year, Pacific Rim being one of them. But my theater was pretty sparse. Now, again, it's a theater in not a great area, but it does have liquor and it does have recliners. So it attracts its own clientele. But a lot of kids were going into the theater I don't know what they were going for, but they all went to a theater other than this one. Mm. It's a weird weekend. There's not a lot of new movies to draw crowds out. And I guess this is the release for the weekend. But man, I think there's a crowd of people that are like, oh, The Rock's in it. Let's go. Well, let's bring that up because he's a huge star. I would have believed that, of course, this was an obvious bomb, except his last film, which looked like an obvious bomb, was one of the biggest hits of 2017. You brought up Jumanji already. When I saw that trailer, I'm like, that looks awful and no one will want to see that. It was the appeal of the rock, I have to believe, more than anything, that got people into screen. So why not this one? Can he open any film? I think we've seen that he does make bombs, Baywatch, and, you know, maybe Rampage, but I just don't get it. The thing is, The Rock, I feel like there are a couple people. Kevin Hart and The Rock are two of them, and they were both in Jumanji. These are the hardest working people in Hollywood. They just do so much that... If Baywatch comes out and bombs, it's not like The Rock didn't have two more movies last year, <laughs> yeah. Fate of the Furious and Jumanji, yeah. that he could go with. And then he had Moana. I mean, we forget that he has things like Hercules. 
Yeah. No, you're right. They're hardworking and they can easily put a bomb behind them. It seems like because they are a brand and people know what they're going to give you, there is a built-in audience every time. Their films are going to be tailored to deliver to that audience. My only question is, why Jumanji and not this one? Maybe it was the Christmas release. Maybe if they had put this out to the holidays where you got to go with families to a movie, that this would have more appeal. Hey, I'll tell you, having watched half of Jumanji and this, Jumanji is more fun. Jumanji is more family. Jumanji brings laughs that Rampage mostly leaves at the door. If they'd stayed true to Rampage the game, I think it would have had more of a Jumanji feel. But here, this is more action film. This is Die Hard. With Junior put at the end of that, I would qualify it. Yeah, Die Hard Junior. It's definitely a stepping stone from kid film into adult film. It's neither for children or for adults. Who's it for? Is that just a red arrow already? (laughs) I think I might be showing my hand, so let's just go ahead and get into this. Arnie, give them the plot. Energine is a Chicago-based company run by siblings Claire Wyden, played by Malin Ackerman, and Brett Wyden, played by Jake Lacey. The company has been doing illegal research into CRISPR. No, not better ways to keep your veggies in the fridge. (laughs) I love that. The salad's always just delightful in that little box. (laughs) The clustered, regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeats. What? I didn't understand anything you just said. (laughs) I know each of those words individually. I have no idea what they mean in a sequence. All right, one more time. So what does CRISPR stand for? Clustered. Yeah. Regularly interspaced. Okay. Short palindromic repeats. The palindromic is what's throwing me there. (laughs) It's real research. Okay. But in this movie, it's a gas that can recode the DNA of animals that was ruled illegal in 1996. But Energene continues their work experimenting on a space station so they're not caught and there's no infection. But when a giant rat, who I call Curtis, because in World Tour you could play the rat Curtis escapes, the space station is destroyed and three canisters of CRISPR plummet to Earth like comets. One lands in the Everglades where it's eaten by an alligator. Might be a crocodile. I really can't tell them apart and both live in the Everglades. It's the crocodile from what I read. But yeah, it's uh, you have to look at the snout, which is all screwed up in this one. Nobody's going to do the one you'll see later, the one you'll see after a while. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Boo. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. You should write the (laughs) sequel to this movie. Well, we do see the gator later, so I guess that's what it is. One lands in Colorado where it ejects on a wolf, and one lands in a San Diego preserve where it infects the world's last albino gorilla, George. George was rescued from poachers by Davis Okoye, the man who runs the preserve played by Dwayne Johnson. In captivity, George has learned to sign and is Davis's best friend. So when George begins to turn aggressive and grow abnormally large, Davis is highly concerned. He finds out about CRISPR when his preserve is visited by Kate Caldwell, played by Naomi Harris. She was a genetic engineer working for Energene and fired when she tried to blow the whistle on Wyden's illegal experimentation. Next at the preserve comes Harvey Russell, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's an agent for an unnamed government agency and he takes Davis, Kate, and George prisoner. But the Wydens have a plan. First, they send assassins to kill the giant wolf, who we'll call Ralph, but that fails. So then the Widens activate a signal atop their skyscraper that draws the giant animals to them. Yes, they actually bring the animals to the loop. The wolf comes and George crashes the plane and goes to the tower. Davis, Russell, and Kate barely survive, parachuting out of the craft. In Chicago, the wolf and ape go on a rampage! True to the title. Finally. 
And they're joined by Lizzie the Crocodile that no one knew existed until it came up in the Chicago Loop. The Widens hope the military can kill the beasts and they can just scrape up a sample of DNA, but the military weaponry proves fruitless against the rapidly healing animals. So the military plans to drop a huge bomb in downtown Chicago, killing thousands of people and hopefully the beasts. But Kate and Davis race to Energene, where Kate finds a serum that won't return the creatures to normal, but will remove their aggressive nature. Claire tries to stop them at gunpoint for reasons. So Kate puts the cure in Claire's purse and feeds Claire to George. Now back to his normal personality, George joins Davis in taking out the other two animals. Davis tricks Ralph into jumping into Lizzie's jaws, killing the wolf, but the croc seems unstoppable. Finally, George uses a large pipe to stab Lizzie's head and the croc dies as the military bombers are recalled and credits roll. Well, they could call it Rampage, but I'm not really thinking about that video game at all when I'm watching that. My comparative really throughout it all is Jurassic Park and Lost World. And one of the big distinctions, I think, between Rampage and the Michael Crichton works is that there is so little concern here for science and ethics in science, right? I mean, dinosaurs were the secondary point of Jurassic Park. The real point was chaos theory and what we're doing with genetic engineering. Here, it's just the excuse we're given as to why there are three distinctive monsters attacking Chicago. We just need to set up why it is these three distinct monsters are going to exist, and it's because somebody was splicing genes in space. Already a better movie than life. (laughs) (laughs) They do try to give us a little backstory. It's not working for me. They feel like they're giving us... Too much scientific explanation for a setup that's already happened. Yeah, there's a lot wrong with the science of this, and I'm okay with that. I'm fine with pseudoscience just kicking off the plot, and I like that it opens literally with a bang. I mean, it's really silly that this company, Energene, has its own space station where it's doing research up there that nobody knows about, and yet this isn't in the future, this is present day, and... It explodes, and these canisters are so solid that they don't burn up in the atmosphere, but so fragile that they crack open upon impact. (laughs) I'm just going to roll out on that stuff and be like, science bad, big monsters good, let's move on. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. It's a distinction. I feel like adults can come to Jurassic Park and experience things their kids are not going to get. Here, it's all on kid level. So if you're not willing to get down there to your inner seven-year-old, I think this movie will be boring. The science doesn't matter. Exactly. And I think The Rock has a line delivery pretty early on that tells us that's how you're supposed to treat science. You know, Dr. Kate says, have you heard of CRISPR? And he's like, oh, yeah, the gene splicing thing. Like, okay, right. Everybody's heard of CRISPR. You know exactly what's going on. Let's move on. Yeah. No one's thinking about the lettuce in their fridge. Yeah. I, come on now. And the fact that we're dealing with this kind of sci-fi film, I mean, it's an urban anaconda, basically. I'm okay with it because you're not going to get me to believe that you can take living creatures and make them just grow abnormally and not have their flesh tear apart. I believe you could breed new creatures with real science the way they did in Jurassic Park, start at the embryonic stage. This is supposed to be dumb action. I'm not going to fault it for living up to that assumption here. Fortunately, 
They don't spend time on it. If they spend a whole lot of time trying to bullshit their way through science they don't even care about, then I'd fault them. But they move really fast over it to get things started. It's within 15 minutes that the canister is infecting an animal. That's a good pace. Yeah, this is mostly just let's restage gravity. Like there was the, <laughs> some cool cinematography in Sandra Bullock's movie. Just in you know, a phenomenal. Here they restage it with some blonde that we saw way back in Planet Terror. If you remember that Grindhouse one, she was the blonde star of that. Here she's trying to basically say, I need to abandon ship because the lab rat has gone psychopath and killed all of my fellow lab techs. And we don't see them yet, but the person on the other end of that intercom is being cruel and saying, we're not going to let you into the escape pod, we're not going to open that hatch until you get the three samples that are in cryogenic storage. Actually, I think they wanted more than three samples. There were like eight, but she runs out after three. I thought they were saying, we're not bringing you down unless you bring the rat. (laughs) That's what I read. (laughs) But she just goes for these samples, to which... All right, I'm good with pseudoscience, but come on. Scientists, if they're known for one thing and one thing only, it's documentation. You tell me in the 1940s, Erskine didn't keep his super soldier serum for Captain America, I'll be like, well, that was a different time. They didn't have computers. Today, don't tell me that they don't have that server on the space station backed up where they know exactly what's there and could recreate the experiment. They did not need to send this woman back to get this canister. In fact, what I have a problem with the entire time is the Widens, the villains of this piece. Their motivation, their entire plot, I don't get it. Yeah, this is going to be my major problem with the film, too. They play off comically, and their motivation, like you hinted at, Arnie, is to make a lot of money. But it's like, how much money are we talking about here? You already own a building. You have enough money to have a space station in orbit. What's your end game here other than the sister wants to be evil and the brother's just kind of stupidly going along? This is my comparative Jurassic Park. You look at Richard Attenborough's character and you were conflicted. He seemed like such a nice grandpa. He just wanted to entertain and yet he had engaged in unethical science genetic breeding that led to his ruin. I mean, if you read the book, he really gets it. But it's complicated. Here, everything is very simple. The bad guys are really bad. They want to sell a serum to make a lot of money. They don't care about ethics. You can't look beyond that. That's what it is. And so they don't care that this scientist blows up upon re-entry. The rat had scratched the windshield deep enough that it just couldn't survive and withstand re-entering Earth's gravity. So she burned up The pathogens in those canisters are still in existence, so it's just a matter of finding where they land, getting those samples, and getting rich. That's all there is to these villains. And I prefer when we review older movies and I'm watching and I'm like, who the hell is that? I know that actor from somewhere. Because I had that feeling the entire time with Malin Ackerman, because I have not seen her since Rock of Ages in 2012, and I haven't paid attention to her since Watchmen in 2009. (laughs) I've she's worked, but I've not seen her. And I kept going to Heroes or something, because looking back at movies we've reviewed, this feels like the kind of role for an Ally Larder or something, you know? A television and B-movie actress just hamming it up. Malin Ackerman, she'd done stuff I liked. I know her as a comedic actress. She kind of got her start in shows like Children's Hospital with Rob Corddry and Funnier Die skits. I think, you know, when you cast somebody like her, you're going for that dry humor where you know that you're playing a dramatic role against a comedic background for effect. 
And I don't think that they're allowing that to happen here. She just comes off mean and bitchy throughout this entire thing. She's got Meg Foster eyes a little. You know, Meg Foster could always be a little evil. She was evil Lynn, after all, because she just had something about her stare and the color of her corneas. It was intimidating. And I think a lot of this performance comes down to the fact that, yeah, she has no sense of humor to the absurdity that's around her. She's playing it flat to everyone else. And she's just got an evil stare. You just can't trust this ice queen. And so the question is, what's in the canisters? We know what it did to the rat. What's it going to do now that it's landing on three different places, all in America, conveniently? And they came from the same ship. I guess that's just the half of the planet that was facing it. Based upon box office, I think the next round of them will land in China. But (laughs) (laughs) I definitely think so. Yeah, get Jaegers to fight them. But I'm okay with them landing in that, but... I was curious how you were going to get to the croc and to the wolf, because the trailers told me everything I needed to know about the ape. So I knew it was going to land in a preserve that the rock is playing completely against type. He's a scientist who used to be, we'll find out later on, special ops. He went from special ops to protecting animals from poachers to lead scientist. Is he a scientist? I mean, that is a heavy word to use with him. I feel like he's a zookeeper. I feel like he understands primates because he doesn't like people and he's emotionally attached to them. And because he spent so many years out in Africa protecting apes and poachers, he knows what's best for them. I didn't see him doing any science, but maybe we're supposed to see him that way. He has students, our new students coming in who he is teaching. Yeah, what I'm seeing in this moment is, yeah, a replay of Jumanji. Like, fire an agent. You don't do two of these in a row. It's almost illegal. It's an unspoken rule in Hollywood. You don't make an identical film back to back. You want to have some variance. You want to have something else come out so that it doesn't look like the same movie. Because when this trailer came out, I swear to God, I thought it was Jumanji still. I'm like, why are they still advertising that? Yeah, especially when the opening shot where we're meeting Davis, he's walking through a jungle with three other people. It's right. Like, that very much feels like Jumanji. I guess uh, the marketers could say, good, the same audience will come to that. But to me, it sends the signal, you've already seen this, no need to pay money again. Particularly if People didn't like Jumanji, which I think some people didn't. I guess I just don't click with most people on Jumanji because I didn't finish it. A lot of people really like it and it made a ton of money. So yes, that could be a good vibe for them to go for. We only have that vibe, though, when we're in this preserve where when it opens, we're supposed to think it's in a jungle. We think maybe they're going to bring back an animal to the States and it landed in Africa or something. It feels like they're on safari. And yes, there's the blonde, there's the talkative guy, there's the nerd. It's amazing how little these characters ever matter to this movie because I'm taking notes about each of them and the red highlights and the blonde's hair and trying to get everything down. And we're really never going to see or care about them again. Yeah, very strange setup. The only one that matters here is The Rock and George. And easily the most charming performance in Rampage is done by Jason Lyles, who is in the mocap suit as this albino gorilla. If you think about the video game, the central characters where you were the monster, couldn't we just have it be that it was from George's point of view? Do we really even need humans at all? Yes, you do, because point of view... We've had this discussion before about Shia LaBeouf. Why is he in a Transformers movie? Do we have to have him there? I think it's an open question. (laughs) I think they answered it, actually. The answer is no. 
Well, Transformers could talk, you know, and I don't know how much we can get from a movie like this with a gorilla who's just emoting all the time. I do think this is one thing the movie does decently well, which is establish a relationship, a human bond with this gorilla. It actually kind of brings you in, makes you feel for him. Yeah, I like George. I don't really like Davis, is what I'm saying. The Rock, I've been on the record. I think as far as action stars go, he has a lot of charm. His charisma comes through. He has a high wattage of star appeal. But I think we're seeing the limits of it. Now that I've seen him in a couple things, I'm feeling like he's just kind of just flipping it on like a switch. He doesn't play new characters. And after a while, it's a little boring. And here that he's playing against the ape is clearly not there when they're filming it. I don't feel like he has a really good chemistry with this ape. I think this ape is really funny and he's sort of riding on the coattails. I do think The Rock doesn't have a lot of range. I actually think he used to. When I go back to his early films, I felt like he was trying to give performances. And now he's kind of back in that WWE mode where he's going to come out. He never raises his eyebrow, but he basically gives you that smile, which is his cinematic equivalent of the eyebrow. He flexes his muscles. He shows his tattoos. Even in Moana, he's pretty much the same character. That's how you brand a star. That is a good thing. But you want to show nuance. You want to show variance. You want to show that it can work in different scenarios. And here, this is the least captivated I've been by The Rock. And I think he's just being overshadowed by the star, George. That's what I was kind of saying a little bit earlier. Dwayne Johnson is a little flat here. Maybe there is something to the fact that he's doing three, four pictures a year. Mm. And maybe at the time of shooting, he forgets what character he's supposed to be. So he just (laughs) kind of plays them all as the same guy. And maybe he doesn't know how to play against Amy, who is, uh, she was the blonde at the beginning of San Andreas, Arnie. If you remember the girl that was texting and drove off the side of the cliff. I really, that movie washed off me like a shower. <laughs> it's okay. No need to pull it back. If you, if it's gone, let it be gone. And the other guy is Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. You know, they're grooming him for something. But it's a mistake to introduce characters like this and then not use them. If this is a team, this is the team that should have followed this rampage all the way to Chicago. You don't have four characters and then throw them all away and just keep the rock. I wondered how the other animals would be brought into this because... I, again, knew from the trailer about George, the fact that it lands among a pack of wolves, I'm like, wait, are we going to have an entire pack of giant creatures? No, somehow it just spurts on one. And then I did like that the crocodile ate it. I mean, I thought that was rather clever. Yeah, I like what they're doing with the crocodile, which is just leaving it for Act 3. Nobody knows exactly what it's doing except for us. Every now and then we're going to cut away and see something rippling in the water, but we haven't had a good view of it, and so it's going to be a nice surprise when we finally do see it pop up right at the end. But for the most part, we're to forget about Lizzie. It's dual storylines between San Diego and Wyoming, where our villains have decided to focus on hiring a SWAT team. I guess they have in their pocket some black ops team led by Joe Mangianello, and they're going to hunt it down and kill it. This feels like Predator. All of a sudden, I feel like this entire squad is the Predator squad, and Joe Mangianello is pulling off a decent Arnold. I'm really, again, surprised that we introduce these characters, and they just go on 
to do nothing. But then in an interview, Brad Payton said he's seen Predator over 360 times. I'm like, so you just did this because you like Predator? Couldn't you have made this the movie? Wouldn't The Rock have worked better as a soldier of fortune going out to hunt the animals who realizes the animals could be saved and turns against the other hunters than as Diane Fossey with muscles? <laughs> I think it's all about the surprise, right? There's a trend. We like the idea recently of killing characters unexpectedly. All of a sudden, James Franco, we think, is in the new Alien film and he burns up right away. Or certainly, if you watch any HBO show, Game of Thrones or Westworld, characters that you think are going to be a big part of the story quickly taken out. It's meant to set you off balance. It's meant to create a sense of surprise and excitement. It's only going to work if the audience either feels like the character being killed is an icon or the actor playing that character is someone we love. In both cases here, it's a nameless grunt we don't like. And Joe, I mean, I guess he was a big deal playing a werewolf on True Blood. I never watched it, but he's not a big enough star in my mind to matter whether he stays or goes. He was another one of that, who the hell is it till I got to the credits? I'm like, I kept going to various people. I'm like, is that the guy who plays the Punisher? No, it's too old for that. Is that the guy who played Crossbones? No, it's not him. I couldn't figure it out till I got home. <laughs> My wife is a former fan of his. I think The Shine has kind of gone off of his star a little bit over the years because she did like True Blood. And I think after that, he was kind of poised to blow up, but it's just kind of fizzled until he shows up here. But that's what it feels like. It's not a surprise they killed this big star. It's more like, oh, you used to be something and now you're an extra. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's definitely the way it played to me. And this scene seems like, you know, you brought up Predator. It feels like they're trying to get us some alien type of stuff going on here with the headsets being monitored back at headquarters. And we see each soldier go down in a different way and the camera start to glitch out. Little throwbacks here and there, but it could have been a, a little bit more of a fun adventure having this be a war out in the wild for a military team to go after these creatures but that's not where this movie's heading this movie's making a beeline for Chicago. And that's the thing, is we know the video game, and we know it's about leveling major metropolitan locations. So all of this, we know this team's not going to make it. There's nobody thinking Joe's going to win this fight. We may not think he's going to die, but we don't think he's going to win. So it just feels like filler. And for the most part, I think Brad Payton is a pretty indistinguished action director. He copies other things and doesn't have a stamp of his own that I can tell. But I do think he goes back to it many times, so he knows it's working for him. Anytime they have a slow-mo shot, anytime we get to see one of these creatures make a leap, you know, there's a great, beautiful postcard moment where the wolf is just leaping off the side of a forested mountain and just biting right into that chopper. Those are where I think the movie is at its best. It's just in those singular images. And that was a trailer shot. Oh, was it? Yeah. I do love how it plays out here, though, because in the trailer, I'm like, Wolf takes down Chopper. We never see the collision, so I thought it might grab the landing struts or something. To see that a helicopter blade, which I just equate with death, yeah. breaks on <laughs> the wolf and the wolf shakes it off, that tells me how thick that hide is. <laughs> and how thick the uh, reality bending is going to be in this movie. Because, I'm sorry, you can hit an elephant with a helicopter and it's going to kill that elephant. 
Yeah, well, later when we get into the quote-unquote science of all of this, it's not just Wolf anymore. I've noticed his skin is bristly like a porcupine or something like that. He has something else going on that's going to be a protective exoskeleton of sorts. That's what's protecting him. He shoots quills, and that's not in the video game. It's not anything a wolf does. It is strange how they've mutated these animals into, I don't know, things they could copyright for toys. It's kind of like the intolerable Rex or whatever <laughs> they had in Jurassic World. I feel like genetic splicing is when they get desperate. Because crocodiles aren't good enough, you know, because wolves aren't scary enough, we need to do stuff to them. It's a little unfortunate. It gives them low self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're good enough, Wolf. I'd be scared of you plenty if it was just a giant wolf. You don't need to have quills. <laughs> or fly like a squirrel. You don't need to act like a critter. <laughs> but, of course, the one that we care about. We don't care about Lizzie. We don't care about Ralph, as he gets dubbed, I think, by the internet. We care about George. And George was just minding his own business, inspecting what happened, got sprayed, and then just starting to lose control. He's still George, but he has, what, Hulk rages? That's kind of what I took it as. We first see him after getting sprayed with the gas. He killed a grizzly bear. And we're later told, because I wasn't sure of this, grizzly bears are the most dangerous land-based creatures. So we're seeing that George is more dangerous. Of course... It would have been better if we'd actually seen that fight instead of just come across a grizzly corpse. You know, I wonder if they pull back from violence in this movie for the kids. But I feel like a lot of times, that mercenary attack too, when we should be seeing blood and corpses, it's really quick cut. It's there. I mean, from the first shot in space, we saw blood on a dead body. But before we can get a real good look at it, we always are looking away. And I think there is something about watching animals hurt animals. I mean, I don't particularly like to see it, but it, it seems appropriate for this movie if you were going to go there. But to protect the kids, they don't want to go there. Right. There's a very high body count here, but a very low gore factor. I mean, we do see in space, like you said, some blood drops and a severed hand. And we'll see some other gruesome things but the gore for the most part is staying pg-13 yeah i can imagine a kid putting their hands on their eyes and then by the time they're peeking through their fingers it's gone there's nothing too scary and that's fine i can get in that mentality i just need to know where we're at here and speaking of which i have actually been to this preserve it's the san diego wildlife sanctuary it is not the zoo it's sort of the retirement community for the zoo so when they've had their glory days at the fabled san diego zoo they move them out of the city to this you know, there's no cages. Everyone's roaming with everyone. Lions are hanging out with rhinos or hanging out with bears with very little barriers in between them and very little barriers between them and you as well. So it would be very easy for me to imagine how this gorilla would get out of his supposed cage and get over to this bear sanctuary and do his business. Yeah, they keep using the word enclosure. Yeah. Insinuating a softer type of cage type of situation. Right. They can definitely roam. That's one thing that's clear when you visit that. And so what are they going to do with this guy? He's getting bigger, acting aggressive. The Rock seems to think that if he reports the medical stats to his higher ups, their idea would be euthanize. And so in order to save George, he's going to keep him in a cage out of the public eye. And this is where we're introduced, in my mind, very clumsily to Dr. Carrie Atkins. Mm. We start off with some character stuff of her. She's always late for work, claiming she's in traffic. She's drinking yesterday's Starbucks. But then she sees on the news there was a 
giant wolf. There was also George. It was reported that something had fallen from space and, you know, no one has footage of George being big, but there was a report that there was problems with this monkey and she worked on the Intergene project. So I guess she's able to quickly infer this must be her work crashing to space. She seems to know a lot about plot details as she's just, yeah, going to leave whatever job she was going to in Los Angeles to drive the two hours down to San Diego. The timing of the introduction of this character almost gave me a little bit of hesitance going into this movie because it's like, oh no, we're meeting yet another character. How many more people are they just going to throw at us? Mm -hmm. I don't think we need her. My theory is, why don't we just focus on what's happening with George? But if they don't want to take that tack, if that's too original, if we need human equivalencies, it should just be The Rock and his team of students. That's enough for me. We don't need this woman that knows everything about what Energene did. I saw her in the trailer, and going back to San Andreas, I thought it was going to be The Rock's daughter, because that was all San Andreas was about, was <laughs> saving his daughter. It sure was. But I did think this movie would be The Rock and his students, because... The big character arc, if we have one in this monster movie, is The Rock doesn't like people. He's seen what people can do. He's not going to have any friends, not even the nerdy guy, who, and not even going to go out with the blonde who wants him to teach her about domination and submission. He's friends with George because he doesn't like people. So the arc is going to be, throughout the course of this movie, he's going to have to learn to rely on people. And I thought that would be his team. He'd have to trust them. No, the team just stays behind. And I guess he learns to trust Carrie, kinda? I guess he's not supposed to trust Carrie because she comes to him on the premise of a lie. She says she can cure George when, in fact, I don't think that she was ever part of that. If she were, they wouldn't need to run back to Chicago to get those antidotes. They could just manufacture them in any lab. But that's the lie that reinforces the idea that he shouldn't trust her. And then eventually she's so cute that how can he resist? It's lazy. It's lame. And it's where this movie lives. It lives in common denominator. Let's go with the simplest, least challenging, most infantile answers for these characters. And- if I made the one reference to Transformers before, here's another one. We're going to get a government agent. And instead of being John Turturro, it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan from, I do like this, OGA, Other Government Agency. But yes, like Transformers, it's an agency that nobody even knows exists. It's straight out of the X-Files. <laughs> I don't watch Walking Dead anymore. I don't know if you guys do, but I know that this is known as a lovable villain on that series as of late. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is about the only thing keeping me still watching this show. It's become very threadbare and predictable, but he came onto the show two seasons ago and his charisma has kept it afloat. So coming into this movie, I'm, I'm really hoping Jeffrey Dean Morgan gives us a little something to grasp onto in a movie with giant monsters rather than Walking Dead. I forgot he was in Walking Dead because I don't watch it. I do, of course, know who Negan is. But man, between him and Malin Ackerman, I'm just back at the Watchmen, right? Because <laughs> he was the comedian and he's got that same kind of grizzled look here. Yeah, you know what? I like what he's doing here. It, I didn't at first. At first, I'm like, oh boy, he's just like Joe Manganiello, some 
SWAT team of badasses who think they have the situation under control, only to lo and behold find out that's not true. What's kind of cool is he ends up being an ally. I think that if he were the antagonist the whole time, I might be more annoyed by the cliche of it all. But he ends up becoming someone that teaches The Rock that you can like another asshole, I guess is is his point here. That he knows he's a jerk, and yet that doesn't mean that he can't work together. I just don't know why he's arresting. I know why he would trank the gorilla. I don't know why he's arresting Davis and Kate here as well, and taking them all away on a plane to uncertain destination. I feel like I missed something, you know, when we see them cuffed together. It's like, wait, what? I mean, I can understand escorting them or taking them with you for more further questioning, but why are they in custody? I thought it was because they had that dropped line about how Davis was kind of breaking rules by not putting George down, but he said I, he followed the rule book by at least putting him in isolation, but he never reported it. And Kate was doing and aware of illegal experimentation. You're right. This makes no sense, though. It's because they want to keep them together for the plot that they're telling is because they want to have this moment on a plane where, you know, it's fun. You know, this is also something that I feel like is a cliche of recently. World War Z had a great zombie breakout on a plane. And then last year, Tom Cruise and the mummy, the best sequence in that film also was on a plane. They want to kind of do that here with George hearing the signal. Because up to this point, these monsters are big and yes, a little more aggressive, but they're not on a rampage. There is no thought in either of the three mutants' minds they need to go and destroy a big city until our villains decide to broadcast a signal at high frequencies from the top of, okay, I'll call it Wallace Tower. It's still the Sears Tower in my mind, damn it. Isn't it Willis Tower? <laughs> Willis. Is it Willis or Wallace? I think it's Willis. What you talking about, Willis? Oh, you're right. It is Willis. <laughs> I, it, it's Sears, damn it. It's always the Sears. I refuse <laughs> to call it by the new name. But at any rate, my point is, they are the ones that kick this movie off right in the middle into an actual rampage, where these creatures now have one thought in their head, and that is to get to Chicago and destroy it. And speaking of rampage, we've been with the Widens in several scenes. The brother's completely useless. He's not even there for comedic relief because he's not funny. That's your personal opinion, and I agree with it, <laughs> but I do think that that is his point. He is supposed to be the goofball, she is the brains, and together they're creating something for children. But what made my head almost explode is out of focus in the background of the Widen's office is a Rampage arcade game. It's there. You see the logo. It's out of focus, but yet you can still make out the letters. Can you not be self-referential and be like, oh my God, it's like our game. <laughs> they even call this thing Project Rampage. They're saying it's successful. When they get the news their SWAT team loses, they're like, well, at least we know that it works. They wanted this to happen. The ultimate goal was they saw money in creating mutants so big that it could destroy nations. Well, it does, again, go back to what Justin was saying about aliens. I mean, somehow Paul Reiser thought there was profit in bringing a deadly alien for war purposes. Maybe if we, instead of bombs, dropped George on Syria? Sure. We're not getting a ton of science here. and We're not getting a ton of things to make sense. But one thing that should make sense is that they have some sort of control mechanism if they're going to try to weaponize this. Right. And that should be what they're going after. Yeah, I get they want them to come to Chicago because that's where their lab is. They want them to come to their actual headquarters so that they'll be in a frenzy to tear it down. 
Well, they hope the government will kill them. They're trying to round them up so they're easier targets for the government. Because again, there's no notes whatsoever, but if they kill the wolf, they can get a sample of it and do DNA testing. Why not just go for the canisters? There's residue in the canisters and there's two of them sitting out there and let the wolf just eat its busload of tourists. It's also said that they want to kill Kate, that she was an old employee, and the reason why they had her sent to jail was she had tried, they had taken her research, she was trying to cure her brother, and they had turned it and weaponized it, and then she tried to destroy that research, and they had her arrested, and now they know she's on the plane, so their thought is that George, by having him being in this frenzied state, will kill everyone by bringing down the plane. I think that was also part of their plot. I didn't think they knew George was on a plane. No, they definitely know. They say we need to liquidate her and this is the way to do it. Well, they also set her up as the fall guy. I mean, when the FBI finally gets to their offices, they play dumb and say, oh, this rogue scientist that, you know, she was in jail for 13 months. She must have been the one working on this behind our back. Yeah, and that only works if she's a corpse and they can't ask follow-up questions. And so we have a scene that is not as good as The Mummy and not as good as World War Z, but is pretty entertaining watching George freak out on the plane. Yeah, it's fine. It feels like... We're a little bit too late. I mean, we're now about 45 minutes into this film, and we're just starting to rampage. It's really felt like not a lot has happened up to here. A lot of exposition, a dead grizzly, the wolf has taken out the commandos, but because the commandos mattered so little, that scene felt perfunctory. And so now I'm like, all right. Finally, we're going to get a rampage. And I like how The Rock saves Jeffrey Dean Morgan and slaps the parachute on him. And I think The Rock might have actually parachuted for this because they do like this schnoz cam. The angle goes really weird. And in 3D, it felt like The Rock's chin was literally an inch from my face. I was like, (laughs) wow, that's quite a shot there. But it reminds me of live footage of real parachuting I've seen. So if they didn't really drop him out of something, they faked it well. About that. Photorealism. Not what I would expect if you were making a Rampage movie. I mean, when I think about that game, it's cartoony style. That would have been my impulse in bringing it to the screen, is I wanted things to be Tim Burton-like, comic book, something with big, bright colors and bold ideas. Here, they really, whenever they can, want it to look photorealistic. You're expected to think that George is one of the people right there, and he's a real gorilla. He's not an exaggeration of a gorilla. Speaking of an exaggeration of a gorilla, this is where I start to notice a little bit of problem the movie's having with keeping the creatures in scale. I feel like they grow and shrink as necessary, not necessarily to the plot, just to what's happening on screen. Like sometimes George feels like he could fill up that entire cabin of the airplane and other times he's half the size of the wolf. Yeah, he's mentioned that he's nine feet and a thousand pounds, but that may have changed over the course of time. I'm not sure. Again, because they have this idea that they have all of these animal adaptive qualities in them. Who knows? Maybe he is growing and shrinking and doing whenever. It's weird to me that George is the runt of the litter, though, because he's made to be so big. But when he gets next to the wolf... When you see them on different buildings, and it may be the sliding scale that you're talking about, Justin, but man, George looks tiny, the wolf looks huge, and Lizzie is freaking mammoth. Yeah. 
And I do like that Ralph was eating a busload of tourists at Mount Rushmore when he gets the call to come to Chicago. That was kind of a, a fun detail. He was just being a wolf. That's what I kind of like is they're just being animals. The croc is just swimming around. Now I can eat more fish. That's the only change in his life. It isn't until this signal is introduced that now they're on a rampage to destroy. They're not even really trying to destroy a city. They're trying to destroy the source of an irritating signal. I like that they stayed somewhat true to the video game and that they were going to Chicago. I wish that the lab for Energene had started in Peoria and they'd worked their way north. It makes more sense to have a lab in Peoria than to pay Willis Tower, whatever the rent is for that expanse of hard drive area. <laughs> but isn't flattening Peoria redundant? <laughs> <laughs> I I do like that Chicago is the backdrop for this because I mean how many times have we seen New York destroyed, L.A. destroyed, San Francisco destroyed, Chicago? Let's yeah, let's knock some buildings down in downtown Chicago. That's somewhat unique. Hey, I've seen the Transformer movie, but yeah, I agree with you. It's less thought of, and yeah, just because I lived there for a decade, I have a lot of love for it. I feel like they got those details right as we see the layout of downtown and Wacker Drive and all of that. They more or less, again, photorealism. They're trying to display the city as you would experience it. Filmed actually in Chicago. I did wonder if they just sent somebody to Chicago with a camera and it was all blue screen a couple of times. It feels that way, but no, apparently filmed in Chicago. And right before then, there's one more fight in the dark that we have this introduced again, another character, Colonel Blake in the war room. All the main characters have been brought there after the plane crash for reasons I don't know. I don't know why you keep involving <laughs> Davis, but they keep saying they won't have questions for him. I'd be more concerned about the gorilla and the wolf working together, but that's the point, is that these two species have teamed up and they're fighting their way to Chicago. That would have been fun to spend more time on, but it ends up just being sort of a night vision attack where... Again, we don't want to see the violence, so we don't have much of an action scene. And then it's also lip service that they get 50% of downtown Chicago evacuated somehow before they arrive there. Yeah, we're introduced to now, if Jeffrey Dean Morgan isn't our faceless evil government character, we get a virtually nameless colonel who comes in, and when The Rock, again, he runs a zoo, I've seen So We Bought a Zoo, I wouldn't exactly trust Matt Damon when he says evacuate a huge metropolitan area, but when The Rock says evacuate all of Chicago, the colonel says no, and then he's the first one ready to kill everyone in Chicago. The colonel says, we have contingency plans. Later, he literally says, let's execute the contingency plan. Evacuate Chicago. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of that one scene I was talking about, you barely noticed, didn't work. That was his plan. And then plan B was to evacuate. We should have had more rampaging along the way. If this movie's called Rampage, and we want to see and understand that, I think they were afraid, not only of showing violence, but if George is going to ultimately remain a good guy and a lovable character that kids want to cuddle with, we don't want to have too many images of him tearing up barns and destroying property and threatening people's lives. Yeah, instead of making a beeline for Chicago, there are other cities between San Diego or wherever they crash. I mean, obviously someplace rural, but you know, they could have gone from St. Louis to Des Moines, you know, hit a couple other cities, you really build up the tension of what's happening here. But no, it's it's right to Chicago, right to the Willis Tower, and it's it's wanton devastation from there. 
Here's what really frustrates me. These creatures aren't seen as the source of evil. Except for the colonel, nobody is really like, we gotta kill these animals. And gunfire isn't doing anything anyway. They're rampaging like Godzilla, but we're never seeing real terror. We're seeing a little bit of rampaging. I do like when Ralph goes in one side of a building and comes out the other side and things. We see some people run, but maybe because they are focusing away from death, it doesn't ever have the menace that Godzilla rampaging Tokyo would have. By the same time, they're not heroes either. We're not championing them until the last 15 minutes of this movie where we have an animal to root for. The only villain are these lame widens. And so I'm feeling nothing during this animal attack other than it looks kind of cool, but I'm not having an emotional reaction. Pacific Rim 2 gave me more of an emotional reaction when the Jaeger walked past the Sydney Opera House. Here, I'm just like, yeah, it looks cool. That's a cool move on behalf of the wolf. George is tiny, but it's not making me feel. So why didn't they do it? Because it's right here. I mean, we have Davis and Kate stealing a chopper, getting to the headquarters, finding the chill pill R-19. It's all there. And then here comes evil villainous, shoots him. To me, it's obvious. He's dying. There's nothing that can save his life. We have to inject you with some mutant gin that's going to make you give you adaptive properties to do this. And that's when we get Super Rock. Why didn't they do Super Rock? It was obviously designed to do that. It's the climax. He's going to team up with George to fight the other two. It's there. It's baked in the cake. Did they run out of money or did they test it and screen audiences said no? They never filmed it. Oh. It was the original script and they moved away from that idea when this director and this star came on board. If we'd gotten this film back in 2011 from the director of Horrible Bosses, it would have been a comedy of the Rockzilla. But this director wanted to, quote-unquote, ground this. He actually, when he was brought in, said, you know, this game's really silly, and I have no interest in making that movie. Oh, okay. So he's the wrong director for the job. Yeah, you're fired, is I think the uh, response (laughs) to that the studio should have given. We are in an age where we do try to find the realism in our imagined and fairy tale characters. I think there are limits to that, and I do think with Rampage, there's no dramatic side to explore, right? I wasn't looking for the dramatic George. I wanted to watch Destruction, and I wanted to enjoy that destruction, and here, I don't feel like the sensibilities of this director and where the screenplay are pointing aid that at all. Yeah, I think this is the same problem I felt with Sam and Andreas. Everything feels sterile. All the destruction feels costless. There's no casualties we see. The only humans we ever empathize with live. There's nobody we care about who dies. There's no sacrifice. In a good disaster movie, you kill some of your heroes along the way. We should feel like these things are dangerous. And both in San Andreas and here, he gives us a bird's eye view. And so I never feel anything. Oh, but you're forgetting about Joe Mangianello, right? That was so <laughs> devastating to lose him to that the wolf. I, they try, Arnie. But what you're saying is, and I think you're right, is this director is not investing us in the characters so that when they do disappear, that it really matters. Yeah. What would it meant for that she shot the 
rock and he did die. I mean, we would all be stunned. I don't know if it would help the movie, but if surprise and emotional grip are what you're going for, that's going to have a bigger emotional impact. But I think this was all set up for him. He's right there in the lab. Obviously, he swallows a serum and gets big, but instead he's just like, nope, I got shot, but I'm just going to be fine. I'm just going to run around and aid my gorilla in saving the rest of this city before the Moabs show up. Which means mother of all bombs. I had to look that one up. But it is the most powerful concentrated bomb. Other than something, you know, nuclear. It's the most powerful bomb they could drop. Which I would say, drop it while they're still in farmland, right? You don't (laughs) drop it when they're in Chicago. Do we only have one of them, maybe? And they wanted the two together? Uh, They were teamed up at this point. They didn't know about Lizzie. What did Lizzie do? We know that she was down in the Everglades, hanging out in the Gulf of Mexico. She must have come up through the Great Lakes. In order to get to the Chicago River. Yeah, somebody needs to whip out a map to see what waterways <laughs> connect all the way up to Chicago where a creature that size could stealthily get past miles and miles of population. But It would be the Great Lakes, but yeah, that's so out of her way. She should have taken the Mississippi and walked a little, but <laughs> hey, whatever. You can go south from the Chicago via the Mississippi and then take the Erie Canal. Okay. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. But at this point, the movie is asking us to, A, care about these characters, but not giving us any reason to. It's asking us to care about Chicago as a whole, but not giving us much reason to. You know, they keep saying, let's save the city. We have to save Chicago. Well, a good quarter of it's already in rubble. What are we saving here? Yeah. And I only see like three people. Whenever they cut to the scenes of destruction, there may be like three people in the background limping, but it's not like mass carnage. Again, they are trying to shield audiences from the idea of real death, despite what they're saying about wanting to go for photorealism and grounding this. It's not like we even get hope throughout the movie from The Rock that, hey, George is good at heart. George would never do this. We need to find a way to make George stop. I mean, it almost feels like The Rock gave up on George. Like, oh, well, he's big and he's out of control now. Whatever. Let's just go try to stop it, I guess. It's not like he was trying to talk other people into not killing the large gorilla. I think he was just long for the ride at that point with his own idea on how to stop the entire rampage. Well, that's what they give Jeffrey Dean Morgan to do, is he's always telling the colonel, you know, you should give those guys some more time to do it their way. There's too many characters, and that's a boring way of dramatizing that. Again, the perspective's all wrong. I mean, I'm going to just keep arguing. I want to be on George all the time. I don't want to be following all these suits in war rooms. I'll agree 100%, but I did try to remove myself from my knowledge of the game. I know what I wanted when you say Rampage the movie. I want Attack of the 50-Foot Woman with lizards and gorillas and wolves, okay? So I want it to be campy fun. Right. But take away the game, and I'm trying to take it as what they're giving me, which is a disaster film. Mm -hmm. And you're right, Justin. If there's no humans in danger I should care about, they should have me care about George. And in fact, I had one moment... When I was a kid, I watched the 70s Godzilla film a lot, and I cried at the end every single time, because despite all the carnage he caused, you felt for that ape when he fell to the ground dead from the army. And when George gets stabbed, I'm like, oh... They're kind of going for a King Kong moment, but I don't feel it. He's impaled on some rebar or something, and we're supposed to think he's going to die. Exactly. That's exactly my point. You know, and the only person that can keep that type of feeling alive in us as an audience is The Rock in this movie. And he's just not delivering that. It's, It's a thread he drops up until the very end 
when we see George peeking at him and we find out that George didn't actually die. They're struggling to give him something to do. He, we don't want to see him kill the villains, so we just have Rubble crush the brother, and then, yeah, we can have the ape while he's still rampaging. You know, it's poetic justice because he's still under the influence of the signal that she turned on, so ha ha ha, now she gets eaten. Again, another great slow-mo shot. We love watching her disappear inside that mouth. I'm glad they did that because, well, replaying Rampage for this review, I'm like, one of the big things is that buxom blonde, right? The one who sticks out the window, the favorite who you eat. And I'm like, they're never going to do that in this movie. So the fact that they make her the villain, they even put her in a red dress for that scene and then tosses her up in the air and grabs her. It's the only video game callback that I got out of this. Right. But the team up, that Rock is just going to remain a human being. It doesn't seem like he can help that much. He sort of tricks the wolf into flying because he's got like squirrel flying ability. Yeah, it has like webbed armpits and leg pits. (laughs) That was strange. Yeah, like a squirrel suit. But anyway, he tricks him into flying into the gator's mouth. I don't think the gator wanted to eat him. but And then he, he gets in the gunner of some vehicle at some point and shoots. But there's no fight. If it's human versus a giant creature, I mean, that is why in Pacific Rim they had to create the Jaegers, right? You need to be on the same level. Otherwise, there's nothing that you can do in that Lilliputian state. Yeah, but bringing this back to having some things from the game that you need to see, like Arnie said, you need to have a person being eaten. You need to have the buxom blonde. You also need to have a missile shot into the mouth of one of these creatures so they can spit out smoke in a comic way. We didn't get that necessarily, (laughs) but we did get the missiles into the mouth. So they are playing to the few things that are in this game that you can bring to the screen. Mm -hmm. But I get you don't hire the rock to sit out of the climax the Mm -hmm. way you can have Shia LaBeouf. Well, no, they always give him something to do. You know what? That's what they needed to do with this end. The Rock needed to do something to stop the signal or something while George stopped the animals. The Rock picking up a grenade launcher and getting in a down chopper to shoot these things, it makes The Rock look impotent. He cannot possibly do anything to these creatures. This is now George's movie, but because it's The Rock and he's a big star, you're going to try to make it him. He ends up being the damsel in distress George has to save. You're with me then, right? He should have turned. He should have been Super Rock, and that would have been more fun. Again, this director sensibilities is to move away from everything that I'm pushing towards. He doesn't want fun. He wants real. You're asking for fun. I'm just asking for something to be invested in and it's giving me nothing. I mean, the big thing is they finally kill Lizzie by George pulling the rebar out of himself going through Lizzie's eyeball and... The big thing is The Rock is willing to admit, George, save me. Earlier, George is like, I saved you. He's like, you didn't save me. I don't need saving. So The Rock has come to decide he wants to sleep with a woman and admit that an ape saved him. That's character development, according to this director. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay. It's a family movie, but not so much. I do like the sign language at the end. The biggest laugh is George calling it out. We can see that this is obvious Hollywood screenwriting of bringing the man and the woman together. But here, George is going to literalize it with putting his finger through, uh, you know, the hole. And you know, I get, got me to laugh anyway. I liked it when George gave the finger, both earlier, you know, it's trying to do the fist bump. 
And he goes as if he's going to fist bump and gives the finger. I guess George has character development, too, as he gives Rock a fist bump here, making the Rock's fist look so tiny. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to find a new place for him to live, but everyone's cool with just laying down their guns and no more missiles, and we're going to somehow find a world in which maybe he can even help them rebuild, because he's starting to help people out of broken windows and, and repair the damage. Yes, because I just saw this ape rampaging through the city, <laughs> and now I standing there with its hand out. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna jump into that first thing. I'm on that, yeah. Yeah. This is where a flood of questions begin to brush in. It's like, okay, why is the military stopping? The only people who know that George may have stopped rampaging and been affected by something else is the two people on the ground and the main general at the military thing who saw it go down. The rest of these army guys should be like, big gorilla, get him! Yeah. It's just, at this point, you can't ask these questions. You just have to go along with it and say, ah, okay, they don't care, I don't care. Well, I don't care, but do you guys recommend Rampage, Justin? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, no. It's, it's not going to be a recommend. <laughs> but it's a weird one, because it seems to be the best-looking video game movie that we've covered so far the special effects are on par i mean there's a lot of budget behind the animations here and they got some actors that require big paychecks it looks like it should be a decent movie it just doesn't deliver you never know what you're gonna get with the rock like we talked about the rock can deliver a bomb and move on and with a movie like rampage as the title are you grabbing people who know that game from 32 years ago and being like yeah let's see that but aiming it at 11 and 12-year-old kids who have no idea what the heck that is, I think that's where a lot of this gets mixed up. You know, it feels like there was a script, there was somebody who had a sense of humor, there was somebody who had a sense of direction, and they all just kind of fought it out and none of them really won as far as the overall project. So it just feels like a big mixed bag of, eh, whatever we did is what we did. So at the end of the day, it's not something I'm going to go back to and watch again. But it's also really hard to ding it too terribly much because it doesn't take itself too seriously either. So it's a hard not recommend, but I don't hate this thing. Stuart. Yeah, this is a low bar series, right? We don't have to ask a whole lot for it to get over the hump of a recommend, but I can't do it. I It's not as fun as the game, and it's not as subversive as the game. I think my central problem is we have this director who has made silliness throughout his career, I want to say. He made Cats and Dogs 2. I mean, he's not above being silly, but feeling embarrassed about it embarrassed that what the property is he didn't want to make what it was supposed to be and so we have um, someone whose ambition is jurassic world but whose script is telling him this is goofy b-movie 50s stuff i'll say this much it's better than lost world it's better than that godzilla 1998 with matthew broderick if you're looking for junk food it's perfectly watchable but fun is going to be the gradient you apply to whether this is recommendable or not. It can be dumb, it can be outrageous, but ultimately it needs to have a sense of subversion. And so you can look to something like Kong Skull Island or the original Pacific Rim to see where junk can be more entertaining. That's what they should have gone for. If you're going to see this at all, I think you need to be a kid or with kids who haven't had much exposure to this kind of cliched action Hollywood stuff. The the less you know about this kind of formula, the more likely you are to be charmed by it, because there's very little here that's fresh or original. 
And so, you know, I don't think it's news to anyone. I don't think this movie's going to make much money. I don't think there's going to be a sequel. I think everyone's going to wait to stream it on Netflix. And that's what you should do. If you see it at all, see it when you don't have to really pay attention because it's not really worth your brain power. For a movie called Rampage, there's not a whole lot of rampaging going on. They save it all for the last half hour. There's a couple of skirmishes, but you don't really get the monster mash until the end. I get it in a way in that they wanted to save it for the climax. On the other hand, it's not like the Towering Inferno waited till Act 3 to light a match. So I definitely think this movie pulled way too many punches. And it's not anything. It is completely bland. It is a dish of white rice for dinner. It's not going to do much for you, but it's going to fill you. And it's probably not all that good for you with the carbs. And yet the Chinese are going to love it. And that that was way too <laughs> apt. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like rice. I just want to interject by saying I really like rice. And I could probably make a meal of it and, and have a better time than watching this movie. <laughs> Hey, rice is good. I just need some lemon pepper every once in a while. Yeah, a yeah. little soy sauce. I like rice, but- like- I hear you. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Bland is the defining characteristic. So, I can't give this movie a recommend. The question is, is it the best video game movie we've reviewed so far? And I say, no, Tomb Raider, the recent one, is better. Sure. It's gotten recommends from us, whereas many movies haven't. I'll agree, though, Rock- much, much, much better than Doom. Apples and oranges comparison between your video game movies. Doom is absolutely loathsome and worth hating and confusing. This one, it's just so much there that I wish that it had more action. I wish there'd been more characterization other than a presumed empathy for The Rock because it's The Rock and we like him and everything. I had no feeling for any of the other characters. I wish the villains had a better villainous plot. It's... A week not recommend, it's because this movie's nothing. It's like San Andreas. When you ask me in six months, what do you mean you didn't like Rampage? It came out on video. I'm not going to be able to answer. I'm not going to remember this movie. I don't remember San Andreas. It's just there. I mean, and The Rock, this can roll right off of him. I saw a trailer for a much better looking movie called Skyscraper at the beginning of this, where the 3D looks phenomenal. So if one summer movie doesn't work for your Rock, there's another one rolling on in. As for a sequel to this, I think it's going to happen, Stuart. They're estimating a 60 million China opening. It has already had the third biggest opening day of all time in China. Wow. Oh. Hopefully it's direct to video. Yeah. Or direct to China. Yeah. Again, I, I we joke, but I actually do think the future will ultimately be, can we just make foreign language sequels for the territories that made it a hit and ignore the territories that ignore the film? I don't know. The further you get away from this movie, I think everyone will be like you, Arnie. They just won't even remember experiencing it. It's not something you want to savor. The thing that confuses me a little bit is there's a toy line out there for this movie. Beyond just the nostalgic, hey, remember the actual characters from the video game, their little stretch monsters? There's George the Gorilla playsets with The Rock and vehicles. I do think it's for kids. I mean, if you think toys are for kids, that is the right demographic. If you have spent most of your life watching Pixar and Disney animated films, and you're ready to start watching things with real people in it, this might be a good stepping stone. That tween audience is maybe the only people that are going to love this. I love the fact that they brought out old 
old-timey video game toys. You know, they really looked like the PlayStation 2 games. They were cartoony and super deformed, but I liked seeing my Lizzie, my Ralph, and my George. When I saw the new movie toys, I think somebody said it best. They took the Kong from Skull Island's toy line and painted it white and called it this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'll actually argue I don't like the design of these creatures, in part because the director was going for, I guess the word is realism, but yeah, they're not cartoonish. They're not fun. I wanted Tim Burton. I wanted a stylized, cartoonish, outrageous, never-could-exist creature, and they went and said, well, what would it look like if an alligator got together with a spider and what have you? Well, if you want cartoonish fun, we did release a review last Friday. Beetlejuice celebrated its 30th anniversary not too long ago. Jacob Stewart and I decided to go back to the 80s and review it. That's true. And yeah, Tim Burton's vision is everything in that film. I hope you can join us to hear that show. You can become a patron by coming to our website, Click the banner at the top of the page, it'll explain everything. And that will also allow you to get access to this month's releases of our spring donation, which kicks off on gold level. Normally we start at silver, but we're going to start gold because we're starting our Al Pacino gangster series at probably his most famous film. One of the most famous films of all time, The Godfather, which is coming out this Friday. Yeah, our review's coming out this Friday. The movie's been out for Yeah, years. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jacob Stewart and I are going to take a deep dive. And yeah, we're starting with the Godfather trilogy. So this Friday, for gold-level donors or $25 patrons, you're going to get the review of The Godfather with a Godfather movie each week. And if you go to our homepage and click that banner, you can find out all the details because we've got the silver level, which is The Purge and Assault on Precinct 13, gold level, which is The Godfather and other Pacino gangster movies, platinum level, which is Pacino cop films. Then we're re-releasing a couple of series out of the vault. We've got The Great White Level, which is going to get you our Jaws films, which have previously only been available on Podbean individually, as well as Deep Blue Sea and an upcoming review of Deep Blue Sea 2. Brock is coming back for this biting movie. Mm, I bet it does bite. I haven't seen it yet, but I think the smart sharks actually made it. And then we have the Jurassic Level of Donation, where you can get our Jurassic Park reviews and what I believe will probably be at least a far more tasty film. I'm not going to say if it's good or not because we have The Lost World, but Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom later this summer, I think will stomp Rampage. Jurassic Park is the high bar when it comes to these things. And yeah, maybe only Lost World is lesser than what we just reviewed. Yeah, it's the high bar and the low bar. So, mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we've got a lot of theatrical releases coming up. We are just two weeks away from Infinity War. Longest now playing ever? What's the over-under on that one? Gotta be three hours. I cannot imagine less than three-hour recording on that, and potentially more. Then a couple weeks after that, Deadpool 2, Solo, A Star Wars Story, so much more. You can see our full schedule at our website. And in between, next week, we continue video games, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. They'll be watching that. I'll be watching Super Troopers (laughs) 2. And Stuart and I will be watching Scarface at the Tribeca Film Festival. Nice. So thank you all for listening. Until next week, game over. We're all very impressed. Yes, yes. You and I laughing at your joke, okay? New guy, he no laugh. He cry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, opposite of laugh. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Connor, you can get up now. Are you 100% on that? Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Hell of a day, huh? Science experiments falling from the sky. And in the nowplayingpodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other video game movies, including Resident Evil, The King of Kong, The Wizard, Super Mario Brothers, Street Fighter, Double Dragon, Tomb Raider, Rampage, and more. Your oversized monkey is old news. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. I was just thinking the only thing that's missing right now is a giant crocodile. Do you want to continue? Insert money now to keep playing, now playing. Let's go save the world. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. They're going to put him down. That's not happening. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. I think we'll be alright. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. I think you were dead. Don't jinx it. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month, plus even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. Let's try not to get killed, okay? Sounds like a plan. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss these movies and games with other listeners. It's time we throw everything we can at these things and get people the hell out of that city. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. That's a big arm. Don't fight it. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. We've created the next chapter in Natural Selection. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. He definitely trusts you. Now Playing Credits, read by Brock. It's coming back to me. It's coming back. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. You're scared. It's okay. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. It's weird. You like hanging out with animals more than people. Yeah, well, animals get me. 
Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Venganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the express written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2018, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. You know there are other ways of dealing with people, right? I do know that, yeah, but that's not fun. This is more action film. This is Die Hard, Executive Decision. I don't know why that's my second go-to. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Energine. Energine, I think. Okay, it's not Energine. Yeah. <laughs> that would definitely not be for the kids. <laughs> but that's how it's spelled. Energine? Yeah. So then the Widens activate a signal atop their skyscraper that draws the giant and but then the Widens activate a signal atop their skyscraper that jo- ah! too many words mm. <laughs> clustered palindromic words. <laughs> I said that just fine, but I can't save skyscraper. <laughs> It makes The Rock look impotent. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean sexually. I'm just saying... Instead of bombs, dropped George on Syria? Sure. I, Too I, soon? <laughs> <laughs> Considering the smoke's yeah. still rising, yes, a little too soon. 